You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing more great content week after week. This week, we have Donna Diane from Juna. Juna is a band I discovered recently, and I'm a little shocked that it took me this long to discover them. Uh, we talk about a little bit on the chat, but the gear they're using, the, the sounds they're creating, the music is phenomenal. Um, and I think I came across it on a random YouTube or Instagram uh, post, saw the gear, I was like, I got to check this out, and it was right up my alley, and uh, Donna is incredible, and an incredibly honest person, uh, willing to talk about all kinds of things she's been through, and, and what went into making this incredible music, and so I really appreciate her candidness in this this chat. Um, as you know, I don't prep for these things, so they go where they go, and and this one went to some uh, pretty dark places, so I'm, I'm, I'm really... Um, <clears throat> I feel good about the conversation, but I'm I'm glad she was able to go to some of these places and and speak freely and, um, yeah, it just means a big deal to me that, <clears throat> excuse me, it means a great deal to me that, uh, people are willing to go to these areas with me and chat about things with mental health and and uh, trauma and things like that that everyone's experienced on some level and some more than others and uh, it's an important thing to discuss. So, uh, thank you guys for sticking with me week after week and believing in this show and. Uh, getting it to where it has been and and continues to grow. Um, please rate and review the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can um, review the show and rate the show. And also, if you're listening on Spotify, you can rate the show, and that really, really helps us out. So let's get some business out of the way, and we'll jump right in. 
So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with uh, questions, concerns, guest ideas, anything like that. Uh, we also have the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle, as well as the premium service, which is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. There you'll get access to the old videos of the episodes. You'll get access to the ad-free feed and the past cast. Um, so I want to jump into this one, guys. We just did this chat, and I really feel good about it, and I want to put it out right away. Uh, they're continuing their tour this week, and uh, you need to go check out Juna. Here is my chat with Donna Diane. great how are you doing i'm doing good excellent excellent you got a nice setup there yeah well <laughs> my my <laughs> office is kind of in disarray because i've got stuff loaded in and out because of touring and everything so <laughs> yeah some things are in place some things are in flux <laughs> i understand i understand yeah you're in between legs of the tour right yeah, yeah, we're we got back in on Monday and we're headed back out on Tuesday. So, man, catching up on some sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, those days are long gone for me. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I remember exactly that feeling. I used to come home to a. I used to live in a rock venue here in Portland in between tours because it was free. So I'd come oh, home wow. from tour in clubs every night. Come home, put my stuff down on my futon in the office. And there was practice spaces in the basement, so bands would start practicing. Oh, wow. Then there'd be a show that <laughs> night, and I I started to hate music with a passion because I couldn't get I away can from imagine. it. Imagine it was yeah. crazy. <laughs> Something I loved so much took a few months, and I just started to hate it. And then uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had to get out of that situation. That was that was super weird. <laughs> anyway. Too much of a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, are you so you're in Chicago? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. I think the last time played Chicago, fuck, must have been the, you know, we played the Fireside Bowl before it got torn down, right? Um. Well, it's still up. They just don't do shows anymore. They they obviously did shows for a long time. Mm -hmm. Stopped. They tried restarting it. When was that? Probably about like five years ago or so. And then it's like they converted it into an actual functioning bowling alley. Tried adding back in the shows. 
didn't work. I'm pretty sure it's still functioning as a bowling alley, but okay. just no more shows, unfortunately. Fireside ah, was the best. It was so awesome. <laughs> I love that place. Horrible bathrooms, but I love that place. But every yeah. club's that way. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Oh man! Well, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's this is. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I pinpoint the exact moment I found your stuff, but it was very recently, and I think okay, it was yeah. maybe on YouTube. Uh, oh, it was either on YouTube or Instagram, and I saw you were playing uh, one of Kurt's guitars, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is has to be good." And I clicked <laughs> on it, and I was I was correct. It was excellent, <laughs> and I was like, "How have I not heard of this band?" And uh, <laughs> So that's why I reached out. I was like, this is, this is fucking great. Like I have that's to, awesome. I have to talk to this person because, uh, yeah. And then, so you have all kinds of stuff. You got like a YouTube show. Uh, yeah. Well, an erstwhile one, there was three episodes I put out before the pandemic and then I just haven't restarted it yet. <laughs> Man, you got to restart one it. Day. I know. Well, there have been, there have been talks about it, but, um, nothing, I've just been so busy with like this album release mm -hmm. and now touring and everything. So maybe there will be some progress over the summer. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, busy's good. Busy's real good. I, and you're yeah. a multitasker. So uh, yeah, I'm sure you can <laughs> this is true. <laughs> a multitasker, I guess, is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> Once I dug into things, I'm like, you're doing what and what and what at the same time? It's it's incredible. Yeah, I'm doing nutty things that no one should do <laughs> in their right mind, but <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you this is a weird this is a weird thought. Do you do you remember that band Local H? Oh yeah. They actually just played in Chicago. Okay. This is the, the first time I saw someone doing bass and guitar at the same time. But using like pedals and using other ideas to to get the bass going. Yeah, there's so many different ways a two piece can skin a cat. Yeah, I just chose the most complicated one. Why? <laughs> why did you choose that? Like, why did you choose to not have a bass player? Like, is it because it, it? I I it can't be comfortable doing so many things at once, which maybe is the point. Um, well, it, you know, it, it happened just organically. I actually had my previous band was a rock trio. And actually, the first junior record was going to be the like first proper full length for that band. And we just broke up before um, we could make it happen. And, it, you know, like kind of when a band is on, on the outs and you kind of know it's, oh, yeah. it's going to happen soon. So I was kind of like the the bass synthesizer was kind of like my my nut and my little like safety thing because i wanted to still be able to play um the songs live without sacrificing the bass because i love bass as like mm -hmm. a uh counterpoint instrument i don't like it when bass just like matches guitar all the time yes and so so I had like started cobbling together this whole bass organ and sure enough, the band ended and I just started playing solo with it. And then it, it just kind of really grew on me and people were really responding well to it. So that's when I was like, well, maybe I'll just get a drummer involved and we'll just be like a really streamlined two piece with like a three, the sound of a three piece. <laughs> and that's how Juna started. Interesting, because I yeah. th that's I mean I love how it go how it works. I was just curious, like the the genesis of that, because yeah, that's a lot to do and singing at the same time. Like there's so much going on, 
Um, yeah, it's it's something that like because people ask about it and I'm like, it's nothing. I don't think anyone would premeditate. It kind mm-hmm. of had to happen organically like that, because like, you know, who in their right mind is going to be like, let me like start a band in which I do way too much all at once. Like nobody <laughs> would do that. It just, you know, it had to happen organically. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like busking, but with amplification. Like it's yeah, so, exactly. You got the guy out there with the the kick drum and the, yeah. the hi hat and the everything on. Everything does something. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like I like the uncomfortableness of it. Like it's it's, it, I mean, because you can. It's easy to settle in when you're doing one thing at a time. I think I think like watching you do it live. It, it seems like that maybe helps keep the um the intensity up because there's just so much going yeah you know it's weird because it's some people will go through a whole juna show and not realize what i'm doing with my (laughs) my feet the whole time and you know they'll enjoy it just as much as somebody who like is up in the front row and like realizes it right away and is like holy shit what's going on so i i like that aspect of it that it's like if you want to know like the zaniness and the inner workings and that like turns you on like well that <laughs> that's there but you don't need to like know that i'm like doing all that to like the music so sure people <laughs> that are that aren't uh educated in gear or paying attention or, or i guess musicians in general uh, would kind of wonder that this is an, this is another thought. How I would ask you this: How do you feel about this laptop and uh, track <laughs> controversy going on right now? Because you don't do that, and that's right. proof you don't have to do that. Uh, but yeah. it seems to be the way of the world now. It's what, fucking crazy. Yeah, when I when we started doing Juna, when I got a drummer involved, I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, then the ethos has to be everything is live. Mm -hmm. Like there are no loops, there are no samples because then it just, it would be kind of pointless. So like, why am I playing bass with my feet? But then we have like pre-programmed, you know, cause I could have just been like, okay, I'm not going to get a live drummer. I'm just going to pre-program drum loops and Mm -hmm. just be a laptop person. But I I can't do it. Like it's live. I love a live drummer. I like, I like the chaos of live music where it's just like, especially because I'm doing too much. You never know when it's going to go off the rails. Like, you know, I if I start falling over, then I'm like hitting weird bass notes and shit. (laughs) Like, but to me, that's part of the fun of it. Like, that's like, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like Mm -hmm. I just start, fucking up and then just have like weird weirdness goes on and then it like all comes back together like there's that spontaneity just doesn't exist when you're just clicking play on a laptop you know and not to like criticize those artists because there's a ton of fucking cool shit that 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 opens up possibilities wise but for me i i'm a live band person i love people who could bring it live i like people who it's just like you love the record you see them live and you're like it was it was even better live like Mm -hmm. that's that's to me that's that is the zenith of being an artist yeah band (laughs) that's the best part of discovery is discovering it live because the first thing you do when you hear an awesome song somewhere else is try to find it live and see if they can pull it off or what it looks like live or who are these people like yeah that's always the first part after discovering it somewhere else but if you can discover it live 
rarely do you immediately just go and go to the record real quick. Like you're still reading from or reeling from the live experience. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's what this show's same way. There's no prep. There's no notes. There's not like we just got on here. Like I did. I, I was yeah. like, this band is awesome. I want to talk to you. That's it. It's all, it's all live. But yeah. um, your gear collection is pretty fantastic. I immediately saw the beta lead, which was one of my yeah. first names. That oh, stuff nice. is that sun stuff. I don't have any tattoos, but if I did, it would probably be that sun look. I love that gear yeah. so much. And yeah. being from Oregon here, uh, the guy that does my tubes uh, used to live behind the factory and they would dumpster dive in the sun oh, wow, dumpster, getting like top oh loaders God. and stuff like the early, early <laughs> heads. He's wow. got a whole basement full of them, like in different, different uh, oh, stages so cool. of disrepair. Yeah. Um, but the beta lead is incredible. And it's something that I think is very underrated. So yes, many people you know, use that. Yeah. The, the people who love them swear by them. The people who don't like them are just like, what the, what, what do people like about, about these? Yeah. So that's why well, I love it more just because there's like such like a controversy over it. <laughs> well, it used to be like, it used to be like when, um, so like nowadays you go see a band, they have like, either they don't have amps on stage, they have fake amps on stage. Yeah. There's something else powering the back, right? Back in the day though, you see artists like Buzz, I think Buzz from Melvin's, I, for, I forgot to ask him about this when I talked to him last, but like my old boss was telling me when they played his club that he had some marshals on the stage, but behind it was two beta leads. That's awesome. And they weren't on stage to be shown. <laughs> Same with Hendrix. I also heard that Hendrix was rocking Suns and still had Marshalls on stage, but they weren't yeah. they weren't working. Like it was the Sun stuff. That's hilarious. That stuff is so fucking loud. Like there, oh, yeah. there's no comparison. You turn it up to two and it's already like blowing your eardrums out. It's, there's nothing but headroom, especially on the tube stuff. But I love the solid state sound that Sun has. Yeah. You know, the, my old bass player in my previous band was like a big sun guy. And when I started getting this, like, um, uh, the whole bass pedal board thing together, I was, that was the first time, real time I've like used a synth and was getting used to it. And I, we, I just tried to every head in the practice space. I was just like, all right, I'm going to run this through everything. It did not sound good through tube amps, you know? And I was just like, started running it through solid state ants and it was just like the beta lead or he had a beta base it's the same circuit, yeah, same thing but, yeah. um um it just that that was the one i was like this has like it just because the the moog synth that i use the minotaur it it can drastically change depending on what amplifier you're running it through mm. what effects you're running it through i mean it that's part of the beauty of it is is, is just so drastically different so finding the right pairing with the amp that's going to give it like that the character that i want that mm. was you know i think i'm just always gonna <laughs> play through the beta lead yeah it's a great it's a great amp and yeah. uh i had I, I had a beta lead then i had that was my first sunhead then i got a solaris which yeah. is the like 60 watt um yeah a guy in town brian sowers hot rodded it for me and then you know fixed the power and all that stuff and um incredible head i sold it to pay rent one month which i shouldn't have ever done oh. five years later i found it on craigslist 
went and bought it again from oh, from the awesome. same. I had my handwriting on the back, like, like this is mine. Like, no I way. have to go get this. <laughs> and uh, it came back, and it's incredible. But I had a Coliseum lead and a Coliseum slave, and I would do two full stacks. So I was the oh only guitar God. player, so it'd be one on each side of the stage to fill the stage <laughs> with sound. Yeah. It was like a jet aircraft. Like you could feel <laughs> the wind blowing against your back. I, yeah. I, oh my God. I love that <laughs> stuff. But um, yeah, the sun stuff will never let you down. It is road ready and just monstrous. I yeah. love it. So I saw you playing Kurt's guitar. I saw the sun. I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't rarely nerd out on gear on this show, but um, I just had to bring it up because it's incredible. And your dudes, so, so the Minotaur is like the the brains of the operation right that's what's on the pedal yes. board and the taurus is the actual foot pedals right for well, moog the, i so so the proper setup is the moog taurus that's the all-in-one bass synth pedal board unit okay i've made like kind of like a the poor man's version of it with the moog minotaur is um basically i've heard the same brains as like the taurus three mm -hmm. i just hook it up to there's uh roland used to make these um organ pedal boards called uh, pk5s mm -hmm. so that's what i use to hook it up to that is like the midi controller for it because um Moog Tauruses, not only are they no longer manufactured anymore, they are prohibitively expensive. I mean, when I started doing this, they were probably like at least two grand to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And now it's like they're like five grand or something. I don't I don't think I'll ever own one. Although my dream is that like Moog calls me up one day and it's uh -huh. <laughs> like we want to know all about how you use this and i have like so much to tell them and then they're gonna like make me a custom one <laughs> that would be incredible that'd be incredible that's I my dream but i'm also like not the normal like moog mm -hmm. customer <laughs> but it shows the versatility i know of the instrument. that's what sells so many yeah, I think there's it's so many people are interested in doing this. I've gotten tons of requests for me to like make like a thorough YouTube tutorial about like mm -hmm. how to build this thing, the different hacks I've found, the different pedals I've built to like make this like usable on stage, like to play on the fly, like live. Yeah. In this in this manner. <laughs> that would be huge. So. That's one day, one day I'm gonna do it. But. <laughs> if if brands partnered with people that were actually interesting, it would have a lot more success. <laughs> because they're never gonna, they're never good. Who who listens to bands that are interesting? Other bands. Yeah. Other bands go on the road and tour. Who listens to bands that are uninteresting? Non musicians who don't even yeah. play the gear, or if they do, they play in their basement and never leave. Get From your the lips bands to God's tour. ears. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Uh, I've always felt that way. Like, don't go for the huge artist because you're not going to get any kind of substance. You're not going to get any kind of uh, reoccurring business. You're going to get yeah. a flash in the pan and it's over. Just like with yeah. everything, you know? That's a, the, the, the YouTube series I started. Like, I really wanted to interview people who built gear uh -huh. rather than like musicians playing. Because like rarely is there a musician that has anything like of substance to say mm -hmm. <laughs> about mm -hmm. the gear like a lot of times they don't understand it it's like finding those people who like both builds and design things and are musicians mm -hmm. that's why like i'm so drawn to like kurt um because of that because it's like those people are like yes 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always have like, I, I learned so much from them. They always have something interesting to say, you know. And it's incredible to watch those those videos because there's so much there to learn. And yeah, it's it's in such a digestible way, too. You know, like you could search and research all you want. But if you can have it right in front of you, like that's what people want. You two really short and sweet. Like, here's all the substance you need. Boom. Yeah. You can watch it over and over again if you miss something. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, you had a really good thing going there. I would keep that going because uh, <laughs> it's awesome to watch. There's um that other series that Earthquaker does, uh, show yeah. show us your junk, yeah, um, with like Steve Albini and and all the uh, it's an incredible thing too. Like we just go through all the gear and and um, anyways, we could nerd out on gear all day, but yeah, <laughs> um, I'm sure you talk about that stuff all the time. Anyway, um, but this new record's fantastic and. It's there's like a really there's there's a darkness to it, like a like a a pretty strong darkness to it that I feel when I listen to it. Um, Is there some like is there was there like a big motivation for this record? Because it's it's very cohesive. It's very like um, there's an overall feeling. It doesn't like jump around as as much as like. um, Oh, this song's about this. This song's about this. It seems like there's an over, like an overarching theme and feel to this music on this record. Absolutely. Some of that was like related to the pandemic. This was like the first time I really sat down to like write a record proper. Mm -hmm. I've always been like a, because of the loving live performance, I've always just been more of a like writing songs for the stage and then when it comes time to record an album, you're just like, okay, here's a bunch of songs we play live, <laughs> put them all on an album, mm-hmm. you know? And this was the first time, like I really sat down and I was like, okay, I am going to, you know, I really want this to be a cohesive sounding record. I even like wrote it with like using program drums initially, like really like using like a DAW to <laughs> write everything, which mm-hmm. is so not me. Um, but I think that gave it a more cohesive feel and then the darkness. Well, some of that is just me in general, but, um, specifically when I first started writing it, I was actually like diagnosed with, um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which this is something I've, um, struggled with my whole life, but I never, I was never properly diagnosed until like after the pandemic happened and my brain exploded like many people. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, I finally got properly diagnosed and started. It was like, I went through two months of intensive trauma therapy and that was a revelation to me. It finally explained so much about myself, so much of how my brain works, how I relate to people and even just, just trauma education. Like they're, there's like five um, basic themes of trauma disorders. And it was like, I was understanding how like the album that I was writing was related to all these five themes. So like in a weird way, like, yeah, being formally diagnosed with this mental illness, like kind of like, I think gave a real narrative through line, a thematic through line to the record and really also just allowing myself to really make the most me record that I could imagine. Like it, the last one, I feel like 
is more, I'm really thinking about, you know, how's this going to go over live, you know, really trying to entertain people with like a lot of guitar antics and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this record, I was like, not that there's not guitar antics on it, but like, I was just more focused on like, what do I love? You know, like I, I love two chord punk songs. I love, you know, repeating like major minor third <laughs> regressions. Like that's just what I like. And I'm just going to fucking do it over and over again mm-hmm. on this album until I am satisfied. And I, I didn't really know like how people were going to receive, <laughs> receive that, but it was also like this consciousness. I got to do this album for me. Like this is part of the healing. This is like part of the expression. If I don't do this for me, if I don't do this the way I personally want, like I'm going to regret it. And I've just been like, shocked at how much it's like resonated with people. Like, I feel like people really are picking that up in it and like, yeah, like this feels refreshing to me. Mm -hmm. This feels, this feels right. You know? So. Well, it's real. That's what people uh, (laughs) are picking up on. That's what I'm picking up on. It's real. It's a real expression. (laughs) Yeah. That's what's so beautiful about it. And that's what drew me to is like, of of course, initially it was the gear and I was like, I have to check this out. But (laughs) once I put it on, it's like holy shit like this is like i can feel it in my bones like not just the vibration of the 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 music but the the just the feelings like you can you can it's 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 um it's tangible and that's why i wanted to ask that because i i was like there's something on this there's something going on here yeah that, that spawned this and uh which is why i asked because it's it's like a um yeah it's a tangible thing you said so see CPTSD or complex uh, PTSD. Yeah. I have, I've heard of this and forgive, forgive my, uh, we talk about mental health on here a lot, but I am not well-versed in that side of it uh, as far as the, the PTSD stuff. Yeah. But the, the complex one is from like, um, like repeated or long-term trauma or experiences versus like, you go through like a, a school shooting or something happens like on a Tuesday that changes your life forever versus something you live through that changes yes. your life forever. Right. Is that right? Yeah. So like the formal definition of complex trauma that I learned is like multiple traumatic events sustained and repeated over time. Okay. So that's most often childhood trauma mm-hmm. be like growing up in like a setting it could be like a community violence setting where it's just like you're you're in a community where you're constantly like if you're a person of color you're constantly threatened with mm-hmm. police violence you know you yeah. grow up in that climate you know it can also just be a household that like an abusive household where it's just like a lot of times like it's in my case it's like you don't even think of it as abusive because it's just like you just think it's normal. Like I just thought like everyone grew up that way. Like I didn't even through most of my life. I just like just kind of thought that that's how everybody behaves behind closed doors, you know, and you just don't like talk about it. And it then like you get older and you're kind of like, yeah, you know, oh, that was fucked up. But like, you know, that it's not like traumatic you know, and this was like the first time I really realized like, no, it was like, if you, you have the symptoms, you are diagnosed with the disorder, 
it was, it was traumatic. And like really owning that for myself and finally just being like, having the space to be like, yeah, it was that bad. And like, really like grieving that for my younger self. I mean, I, I, that I feel like is really what, what you're hearing on the record. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm getting, I almost, wow. I'm getting emotional. Like just talking about this. This is, I I was going to say your whole (laughs) demeanor changes when you talk about this, this other stuff, like, yeah, which is natural. It's, it's to be expected, but, um, and we don't have to talk about any of this stuff if you don't want to. I, 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 it's something we talk about a lot on this. It just ends up coming up on the show a lot. It's become over the year when you do things with no plan, things just yeah. tend to happen, but then <laughs> things start to like not form patterns, but there's a lot of similarity because it's human. And so Absolutely. many people, and everyone's journey is different, but the, the, the subjects that come up can be similar. Um, and that's what I think tends to happen. But, when you were talking about uh, like feeling like everyone's this way, everyone goes yeah. through these things, everyone, you know, did it take more than the therapy to, I'm trying to think how to word this. Um, you know, you have a breakthrough in therapy. I go to therapy every week. I have for over a year and a half now and, and it's changed everything for me, but the, so I understand the value of it and I and I've been yeah. through it and I go through it every week. But when I don't know why I'm having such a hard time putting this to words. <laughs> when you found that breakthrough moment where you could accept that hey, that was wrong or that was yeah. not what everyone goes through, did it take just the therapist saying that or bringing that up or was it a different event where you had that clarity? like outside of therapy. Does um, that make sense? Well, so yes, you know, I have been in and out of therapy for most of my adult life. And it just, it was kind of this thing where I'm like, it, I kind of felt like it didn't really work. I did not really trust doctors or anything. Like I just, it never really like budged anything for me. Like sometimes I would have like, and this is, this is actually characteristic of complex trauma. Like you go through regulated periods where like you're actually doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden everything just falls apart and you're just like a mess and you don't know why, because like nothing really happened. And um, so like, I just really did not like trust that whole thing. I, when I went back into therapy this time and then I, my brain like really broke in a way that it hadn't in a long time. Like there's um, derealization is like one of the symptoms for CPTSD. So I started like, I was looking around and I was like, the world doesn't look real to me. Oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard when I start talking about this. Cause I just, I hate the, <laughs> the feeling, but I was like, something is not right. And I, so then I went into this intensive trauma therapy program and that was where I had the big breakthrough. Cause like the first week of the program, I was, they put me in this in specifically for trauma. And I was like, I was telling them, I was like, I do not have a trauma disorder. Like you are wrong. You are misdiagnosing me. Nothing traumatic has ever happened to me. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I got to know the other people in the program and that's when, cause I was like, oh my God, all these things that I thought were like idiosyncrasies about me mm-hmm. 
when I started meeting other people and I was like, your brain works exactly the way mine does because we're talking about stuff and like really excited. And that's when I understood, okay, this is a disorder. This is a diagnosable thing. This is other people have this too. It's not just me. And that's when I really started opening up to the idea of like, okay, this is real. Other people have gone through this and I can feel compassion for them. I see what they're going through. So now I can do that for myself. Like I, I, I just couldn't feel compassion for myself before. I was just always like, have to be tough. Have to like, nothing bothers me. This doesn't affect me. Like blah, blah, blah. And then I just realized all I'm doing is interfering with my own healing by doing that, you know, yeah. like that serves no one to be like, Oh, I don't, this doesn't bother me. This doesn't affect me. Okay. Who, who's that helping? Mm-hmm. No one that doesn't do anything for anybody else. And it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an incredible realization because nor like the stuff I go for there with like depression and, and there's, there's tr- trauma involved as well. Like long-term stuff with like being in a religious household. Uh, oh, like yeah. I was raised Mormon and, um, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. We just faked it all the time. Like there was behind closed doors. It was awful. And, but anytime you go faces on my whole life was that my whole life was, uh, not to dump all this on you, but my whole, I had brothers and sisters that I didn't know about from a previous marriage that one was one committed suicide. One was murdered. (gasps) Um, like I wasn't told about them until I was 17 years old. Like, but because they didn't want, they didn't want us to know, but they didn't want it to tarnish because my dad had, you know, converted from my mom to Mormonism. And, uh, so anything before that was like, eh, we don't want him to know about this. Yeah. So to this day, I still struggle with identity and because yeah. what's real, am I faking it right now? Am I faking it at work? Am I faking it at home? Like I'm so used to faking it that I have no real identity and it's, it's a yeah. real fucking thing and it makes you incredibly depressed and but what I'm getting at is in my therapy is a little different where it's like one on one where it seems like yours was kind of a group therapy of of sorts. Yeah. Um but the interesting thing I was getting at is is um most people like with depression and stuff they talk about like you can't like relationships fail because you can't love someone if you don't love yourself. Like you can't Absolutely. you can't love. But it took you kind of doing the opposite. To accept that you could for yourself, like you had to see it in other people first. Yeah. It's completely backwards. And I've never heard someone say that before until you said that. So that is, that's awesome. Like that approach on your end is, is fascinating because it's the complete opposite of what anyone else will say. Yeah. You know, when I I was so scared, I was just like, this group therapy is going to make it worse I'd had like an experience in college where I did it and it was terrible. And I was like, all it's going to do is make me more depressed to be around depressed people. Like this is a bad idea. And it was actually the opposite. I like, I was like, so they, well, they kind of told me I'm like, I was like more emotionally expressive than most people in there. So when we would get talking on topics, I would be like, we were set up as kids to like be vessels for our parents. Like 
<laughs> you know, and I, I was almost like I was kind of like the mouthpiece of the group's like rage. <laughs> and I'm like yelling this stuff and like they're writing notes down on the whiteboard of like shit that I'm saying and everything. So it was kind of like a funny experience. But like to me, I realized like and that was important to other people in the program. And it also made me that was why I wanted to talk about it publicly and why I keep talking about it publicly as a musician, because I'm like, this shit actually works. Like if if somebody who's like like me being like nothing that bad happened to me, like, yeah, I have all these same symptoms, but like blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't bother me if they could see me being like, no, this shit is real. And here's how I've dealt with it. And, you know, here's. Here's my experience. And if they can feel compassion for that, like then maybe they can feel compassion for themselves and like admit it to themselves. If that make, does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely does. That's that, that different approach. Like it's, it makes sense. It, it just, it's so backwards from like any other kind of therapy. It seems like the fact that it works and it makes sense. I mean, logically it makes sense, but you yeah. just don't hear people say that. Well, and such like the Western model of therapy is like, you must be isolated. No one can hear your problems. It's it's just between you and this person who has sworn to keep everything confidential. Mm -hmm. Not that they're, I mean, that's important too, but like, we have such like an isolated idea of like, we, we have to solve our problems alone or with only like one other person and like no one else should know about them. And especially like learning about trauma and also such the importance of body therapies that this is a physical disorder. This is not just mental trauma lodges in the body. When mm -hmm. you have a trauma reaction is your full body like when it, if you've ever been in a situation where you feared for your life, you feel it in your stomach, like the mm -hmm. pit of your stomach, all the chemicals are going through your body. So that is where these memories do not just live in your head. They live in your gut. They live in your legs and your heart and everywhere else in your body. Mm -hmm. So it's just for me, it has been like so amazing to learn about this stuff and understand like such the limitations of like this, like 1950s model of therapy, you know, like going into your doctor's office and like laying on a couch, like, no, it is about like going out into the world, like doing physical things, talking about it with other people, you know, especially like with women, like there's all these women's groups that have sprung out of like, we're all going to get together and do like witchy shit <laughs> and burn stuff and whatever, you know, you have to, you can't just rely on like talk therapy with your therapist. It has to be like you have to bring in all these different modalities to really get this shit to move. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And that is so huge. It's the human experience. Like even if it's not the same, it's humans experiencing things and talking about sharing experiences. That's how we are where we are now is just people writing things down through history Hey, don't yeah. do that again. Fire hurts. Don't touch it. Um, like little yeah. things like that to, uh, you know, these mass, like these super dense philosophies on like meditations on this and this and this. There's so someone just like sat and thought about this for, you know, days on end before there was internet. Like there's something, you know, people had time to do that. You look at architecture and artwork back then, like someone spent their whole life on this picture. Like, yeah, that's what it meant back then. But that's part of the human experience. And that's how things get done. And so I, I definitely agree. And I've asked my therapist all the time. She hates it because I bring it up all the time, but I was like, 
because I'm usually doing a podcast right afterwards. I'm in the studio. I do I do therapy here because it's over Zoom, and then I click in with you or I click in with someone else. So yeah. either I just had a breakthrough or a horrible time, and it's like, hey, you know, like doing the, the Mormon <laughs> thing. Hey, everything's cool. All right. Uh, feeling great. I didn't just throw up over there and and like, yeah. you know, um, but uh, I've asked her many times, can we just like record this and put it out? Like, yeah, she's like, it breaks so many laws. I can't even begin yeah, to tell you. Yeah, I would love that if you could do that. I, I would absolutely do that. I'd put it on Zoom and just go for it. Like, because there's nothing to hide, like, and because something's going to help somebody somewhere. Uh, absolutely and yeah. so uh, i don't know i try to get real on here because i can record it and i can put it out uh without yeah. breaking any laws but um <laughs> yeah it drives her nuts because i ask her all the time like how about this look who's put this one out or i'll say at the end <laughs> oh i've been recording this by the way and she's like no you haven't i was like i have not, I have not. but uh yeah. <laughs> speaking of you know being a physical um uh trauma be like being physical like settling in the body have you had trauma responses playing live? Oh, like like during the like middle during of the, the set? show during the show, like has something happened that made brought something out in a way because you're exercising things on stage, especially with this new stuff. But like, has there been something that's hit you in a live setting where you either lost control or or I mean I don't know what your trauma responses are, but yeah. Um, have you experienced that on stage and had to play through it? Never. And you know, it's funny when you're saying that I was like, Oh my God, I never even thought about that happening. <laughs> no, I'm kind of like nervous about it. <laughs> Shit. But Second half of the tour is going to no. be good folks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because literally playing me, well, being educated about trauma, then I understood why I play loud music. Mm. Why? I need loud amplifiers vibrating through my body. Mm -hmm. Why I need to like scream and, you know, and it's not just like the obvious, like, oh, I'm, I'm expressing the torment of this specific moment. That's not actually what it is on stage on stage when I'm, you know, I'm literally using my full body. I'm using my feet, mm -hmm. my voice, like everything to play. It's more like I am most um, in the moment with myself because that's a big thing with trauma therapy is like getting out of your head and into your body getting into the present not not being off in the future or the past because that's when shit happens that's when like emotional re-experiencing can occur so actually when i'm on stage i'm like it it is like literally a therapy for me so um like there's other stuff i do like um float therapy i don't know if you've mm. ever done it like sensory deprivation type stuff it's on my list i just started doing it like six months ago i was always afraid that i was gonna have like a claustrophobic thing with it mm -hmm. it's oh my god it's so phenomenal i like uh recommend it to everybody um but that's just something that's just like i know in that space i would never have like a trauma reaction because it is just activating the right part of my nervous system like the the parasympathetic response mm -hmm. so it's just like this feeling that you know something would have to like on stage something would have to like happen to me like somebody would have to like 
yell something abusive at me or, you know, like throw a bottle or something for that to happen. Yeah. Like something like that, like the act of itself. Um, Cause I, I think this is something that also can confuse people about trauma disorders because they might think that like, if you're expressing something about the trauma that might trigger a reaction. But I always say, I mean, it's different for everybody, but for me, it's like that, when you're like talking about it um, and you've already processed it, rarely would that cause anything. Usually it's something that like some weird shit that will trigger something that I would have never even thought. Like I, I sometimes bring this up. Did you ever see the TV show Search Party? No. Um, it's like a newer show. It's had like s- several seasons. I forget like which streaming service it's on. I was watching it and it's like a comedy. It's um Michael Showalter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does it? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's fucking funny. It's like a little bit dramatic. It's like a murder thing, but also like hilarious. And there's like this one scene that's like a brainwashing scene. Oh, this is another nails and a chalkboard thing that mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. hate talking about. But it's like a comical brainwashing scene where she's um this basically being gaslit, like saying like, no, I saw this murder happen. And he's like, no, you didn't. It wasn't that way. Oh, I don't even like saying it. Mm. And boy, I had, I didn't even realize what was going on. I had such a bad trauma reaction that night. And I didn't even realize it was everything in me would black. And I was like texting with someone at the time. So I'm assuming that, oh, this person's pissing me off, which they weren't like, or this thing I saw online is pissing me off, blah, 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 blah had a huge headache, horrible trauma reaction, crying this whole thing all night. I wake up the next morning and I was like, it was the gaslighting scene in that TV show. Mm. <laughs> like it was so absurd. Like why should that, why should that cause a trauma reaction? But I've gotten so much better now that I know these like little things that cause it. So in a weird way, it's like, it's not going to be the obvious, like to me, in my experience, it's not the obvious shit that causes trauma reactions. It's the, it's like a weird, my husband wears a t-shirt that my father used to wear or that not even the same shirt. It had the same colors. Shit like that. That's, that's what causes it. That, that right there can cause that's, that's intense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because I would any uh, before I had trauma education, I'd be like, you're fucking kidding me. That's that that can't cause that. Like, that's not that's not how that works, because it's also complex trauma is not like it's or it's similar to regular PTSD. But like regular PTSD, you will have you will know the traumatic event Mm -hmm. and you will have flashbacks Mm -hmm. to it. Complex trauma. A lot of this shit happens before you're even forming memories properly yeah yeah. so you you would not even know like that this shit is causing shit subconsciously and it is only by taking it seriously and really learning through meditation um really i've even done dream work to try to bring this stuff to the surface doing that now i'm able to recognize there is some wild ass shit that your brain does that you would never even know. Cause it's always, 
it's below the level of consciousness. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, it fascinates me. Like I've learned so much from it and I'm able to recognize um, trauma reactions when they're coming on and mm-hmm. what's causing them. And I'm like, nope, this is emotional re-experiencing. This is not happening in the moment. It, it's crazy. This but is it fascinating. <laughs> this is, yeah. this is fascinating. There's, I have so many things I want to unpack here, but like, the, <laughs> so we had a guy, um, in between tours, I worked retail for a little while and, and there was a guy who worked overnight and he was a stalker on shelves. Uh, not a stalker, but uh, yeah. stalking shelves. He was a very, very good person. That's a very East Coast very, moment. <laughs> very, uh, very, um, had epilepsy. So he had seizures all the time. Oh. And he would, he would know what was happening a lot of the time and like go sit down or go lay down and call yeah. somebody. But they worked with him so much that they started to notice a smell, like a metallic smell that would emit um, from him. So if you were working next to him, wow. you'd start to smell this like almost metallic, um, kind of like people that weld, like TIG weld, it's that nickel uh. kind of smell. And they'd look over and notice that like, things, he was starting to like do things twice and like, yeah. and then he would go down. And so they were able to predict it almost really well by that. That's so amazing. he always had someone with him um, that knew what was going on. But that's what I think about when you talk about like knowing something's coming on. But what I'm curious on is what the difference is when like you do the dream therapy, you do these other therapies, but you're like facing these traumas on your own accord versus getting gaslit and having a reaction what's different about those experiences where you can watch that show and all of a sudden lose a night or you can go and face these things in a professional setting and it doesn't necessarily from what i'm gathering it doesn't take you to that spot the same way talk on that because that's where that's where i'm really curious here on on facing it head on versus being in the wild i guess where bam it just something hits you well, it's it's more for me, it's like I'm increasingly become more sensitive to it. Okay. There's so much go when you especially for children and anybody who's been through trauma, really, uh, you learn to desensitize yourself. Yeah. You learn to cut off the feelings, you learn to ignore bodily sensations that you have. Your brain is so good at it and it it responds in a moment. And, and you're not even aware of it, that you're just cut off from your body or cut off from, you know, what's going on in the moment. And for me, it's over time, I've just gotten better and better at becoming more sensitive and really observing this stuff. And so now where I'm like, I I wouldn't put myself in that situation like with the TV show where I something abusive is going on on TV. I'm half paying attention. I'm texting with people. I'm overloading my nervous system with all the stimulation. And yeah, I'm going to have a like that's now I know that's a recipe for a mm-hmm. trauma <laughs> reaction. Yeah. But now I'm just like 
take things slower. I do not overload my system. Like I'm not going to be like distracted. I know we were joking about multitasking, but I, I do it like deliberately where I'm not like overstimulating my nervous system Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to do it. And so for me, it's actually less about going, but like in, in therapy, rarely do I go back and talk about the past. I, I only do it to relate what's going on in the present and be like, I'm having a real difficulty with this thing. And it's, I think it's because I'm having emotional re-experiencing based on this thing from the past. Most of the stuff I do is not being like, okay, today we're talking about, you know, the thing from when you were five, Mm -hmm. like that's, that actually does not work well for me is like never helped it's actually really focusing on like me getting to know myself really being able to experience myself being sensitive to like subtle changes that are going on in my mind and body does that answer what what you were asking it makes (laughs) it makes a lot of sense okay it's something like and i'm thinking as you're explaining this of you look at like the and this is not to trivialize anything either but like the you get get the newspaper right and there's the cartoon section some comics are one frame like family circus or something like that and then some are six or ten frames where you get a full view of an event or a series of time versus excuse me you get the one event in the one picture the other one you can kind of before you even start reading it you can see what happened yeah so that seems kind of like where you reside instead of focusing on one event when you were five years old, three years old, whatever, you're kind of looking at a, like a collage picture of everything and like putting the pieces together that way um, when you're working on this is kind of what I'm gathering as kind of yeah. the, the and, yeah. And I should also say this is specific to me because I have other friends with complex trauma. Their therapy is completely different. It really depends on like, what happened, what your memories are of it. Mm -hmm. Because some, some people do EMDR, which is like you go to a specific moment Mm -hmm. and just like hammer on that moment. Well, that's not, that's probably not an accurate description of EMDR, but like, and that is very effective for certain. So I I don't want to characterize like all people with CPTSD are the same and have the same therapy but um yeah like depending on where you are along the line i've also like i've never suppressed or forgotten memories so that wasn't because i know for some people that can really delay things because you don't even remember until you're like in your 30s all of a sudden you remember i've always known so it could be like I've gone over that stuff like way earlier <laughs> in life and therapy. So I haven't had to, when I was formally diagnosed with so this, is, it's like, Oh, I already know all this stuff. I already, I already know everything. I just didn't realize how it impacted me. I didn't realize scientifically like what it did to my brain development mm-hmm. and everything, you know, that, that has been like the key during this like past couple of years of looking at this head on. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And 
these last few years has been very hopeless for a lot of people. I, I shied away from it quite a bit because my life didn't change that much during the pandemic. Like as far as my routines and stuff, because I wasn't touring. I, my job in construction, we kept going. Kids do homeschool for now. So that didn't change. Uh, everything was different i just went outside and everyone had masks on like that was kind of all that changed for me which wow was a weird thing because you don't see people's expressions and facial expressions and stuff and you start to forget things like just like when you get a cell phone you forget everyone's phone number like yeah. if you don't use it you lose it right and so yes. that was weird um but then coming out of it as much as we have it, the world's a different place and yep. so that hopelessness started to sink in. And it was like this thing I'd been pushing away for a very long time, that feeling of hopelessness, you know, when uh, the kids ask you a question about it, like, you know, is this the way it's going to be now? Like, yeah, where, you know, where am I going to be? What am I going to do? And then trying to keep a straight face and like keep a, like I was talking about earlier, fake it, right? Like fucking, uh, you know, put your face on you know, instead of like breaking down with your kids, because my kids are young. So like sitting there and crying with them may not be as helpful as it seemed like being truthful with them on what's going on. Yeah. Um, I, you just kind of put on that face. And then that brings me back to putting on that face my entire fucking life. And, uh, yeah. but then that hopelessness settles in and that triggers the depression that triggers um, all the anxieties, all the, the, this like pit and then i'm like fuck like this was happening the whole time i just didn't see it until i was able to come out of it enough to where you can go outside but it's different you can go to this place but it's different uh the whole world just changed like everything is different and that's where it really settled in and i was like i was just fucking faking it this whole time just acting like I wasn't seeing it. And then there it is. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th. Featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. EqualVision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at EqualVision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms, 
They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. 
because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Yeah. On the come up, like this didn't come up as far as I thought it would. Like, you know, like I thought we would pull out of this and everything would go back. It can't go back. No, it was denial the whole time. It can't. We've seen too much. Yeah. We know too much. <laughs> we we saw the, we found, we got the internet. You take it away. We're all going to die because yeah. <laughs> we've seen it. We know it's, it could be there and we know what it was like. Yeah. That's what happened. Exactly. And I'm still dealing with that. So, uh, I can't imagine when you said your brain broke, like I can't imagine that happening in the moment instead yeah. of just pushing it away, but like actually going through that hell in that hell i can't even begin to imagine what that was like uh but i feel it in what you're putting out like i feel that tangible weight and maybe that's somewhat terrifying but i need to feel it yeah i can't run from it anymore but like the that i really appreciate that about what you do because it's uh it's that realness it's that it's like that group setting you're talking about hearing all these it's that human experience that's what you're doing to me you know it's not in a group setting but it's it's similar because it's another person that you're not paying to talk to you telling you how the world is and and what it feels like and what it felt like those are beautiful things and and i really appreciate that about what you're putting out there and being so honest and and just you know pushing through i'm sure a lot of things that we're telling you no um that's huge and that's why i think people are responding so well to this thing because holy that shit ma- it's tough. that makes me so happy that you can hear that in it and that is like really reaching people because that's i mean that's definitely what i want you know mm. ideally to be able to connect that way but yeah it it was kind of scary too because you know when you put that out there it's like other people especially and then when i was like very specific about you know being diagnosed with the disorder and everything like people are going to come back at you with like me too they're going to come back at you with like their stories and Mm. everything and that can be like, unless you're in the right place, that could be like really overwhelming. And for me, I, I was nervous about it at first, but it's the, it's part of now, this is also part of the healing process for me is like the next phase is yeah. Really getting to talk with people, connect with people over it and just be like, yeah, this is real. And we can talk about it. And it's not, it's not going to like, destroy us to talk (laughs) to talk about it you know Mm -hmm. it's actually going to be it's going to be a good thing and it's going to be okay yeah i get see this is this is what this is all about like i i talk about um i've i've i haven't talked to my therapist much about this a little bit but like uh vicarious trauma i don't know if you've looked into that but like a lot of um therapists police officers people that deal with this other people's issues all day long yeah start to like 
it starts to stick to you a little bit and then it starts creeping into your brain and into your reactions and your um it starts to break down your defenses a little bit to where you walk away from something random and it like breaks you down and you're like well what happened here you start cycling back well you know you just spent six hours hearing about this person's awful awful abuse story or you know tattoo artists tattoo artists big time when someone you know i'm getting this tattoo to cover up this this experience and this is what happened to me and you're in the chair you know um i was looking it up because i was getting really depressed and like starting to hate doing this show because it happens so much and i was like googling kind of like what was happening and it came up with vicarious trauma Oh. And it's like living through other people's trauma will will start to stick to you. And that's exactly what it was. And I was like, this is this is crazy. Like this is this is the fact that it can happen like that. And you start to it's like those um all those awful videos on the internet that people post and people just like watch them, not thinking you can't unsee that. Yep. And that anxiety it brings up in your stomach, that reaction when you see someone get shot or see someone, you know, like that facing mortality that way um all that stuff just sticks with you and it just like starts like sits like right in your sternum and it's just like oh and and yeah uh, i don't know if you you've heard of that or or talked about it at all in your in your therapy but um i thought it was an interesting concept that seems to be affecting a lot of people in those industries yeah the like helping professions yeah i mean Definitely. That is a characteristic of complex trauma. Often when you're a child and you're growing up in an abusive environment, Mm -hmm. you are taking on um, the like emotional like climate or persona of the parent. Mm -hmm. It's like um, because you haven't formed your identity yet. Yeah. So you are like they're upset. I am to blame. I must take this all on because like kids, they don't know anything else except they're the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. So if something bad happens, it's their fault. Something good happens. They did it. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like that. That's just that when the human brain is five years old, that's all that's all it has the capacity to do. So oftentimes a lot of kids And this is the part where I'm like, I realized like the stuff about me, it's not, wasn't just me. It's a lot of kids that go grow up through this. They are what people call like empaths. They take Mm -hmm. on a lot of other people's emotions where they lose track of their own. Um, They take responsibility for like what's going on in other people's lives and have no boundaries, no emotional boundaries with people. That's a big thing I've had to learn is like, yeah, like how how do I listen to someone's story and not take it on as if it were my own? It's just like it's something like if you don't do that, you're like, what are you talking about? But if you do do it, you know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Like it's just learning to do stuff like that and, you know, be able to like psychologically have those boundaries where it's like I can feel compassion, but I don't feel like. I am not this thing. I am not the story. I am not this experience. You know, that's even something like that. That's something that takes years to learn. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So I could, yeah. I could totally see how like being around that, like 
I would never be able to make it as like a therapist or something because it's just, I'm an emotional sponge, but that's what makes me an artist too. Like yeah. that's being an artist is like being able to take on those emotions mm -hmm. and put them on, take them off. You know, that's, that's the making of an artist. <laughs> well, you think about, you think about like an artist is kind of like a mirror in a way of, of, uh, reflecting the world a certain way like it's putting a different spin on things but if you put something and this is just in my brain i say stupid shit like this all the time but it just comes up if you look in a mirror you see what you see right you see back what you see but if you ever look in like a broken mirror or a mosaic mirror or a mosaic reflection it changes everything and shows you it in a different way and i yeah. think that's why so many artists are broken in that way because they need to when you put something so you plug your guitar into a broken amplifier that still makes some sound it's going to create something unique it's kind of similar to that where the world puts its stuff in you and you res resonate it in a yeah. way that's different and that's what art is it's it's just showing the i hate to say the word the, like the common man the common person that's not turned on everyone has a role like there's healers and there's empaths and yeah. there's 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 builders and there's thinkers and there's artists and we need all of them but it shows the people that can't uh that the world is not as awful as it seems i think or and like we were talking about earlier it can show you that it very well is as awful as it seems but it's okay like the, the, there's some beauty in this there's yeah. something that will come from this that is that is tangible and real and wonderful um and i think that's the the responsibility of of artists and to just show it back in a different fashion and i think that's really what what uh it's just the, it's what keeps the world going and keeps people waking up in the morning you know if you have to go and you know, there's people that work, listen to the show that, that will email me and like, I work night shift at this plant or whatever. And you just, you get me through it or these shows get me through it. It's a wonderful thing to hear. But if those things weren't there, those people may not be around much longer because there, there's nothing to show them that that's not it. Right. And yeah. that's what's so, you know, people talk about, uh, there's that documentary, um, the bridge uh about the golden gate bridge and they filmed oh, it yes not yeah. to bring up i guess well i'm bringing it up but um <laughs> people that was said that someone smiled at me on the bus that morning and i didn't jump because yeah. of that that kind of thing is similar to art like it's just showing you that you just need to see it in a different way your focus oh. tunnel vision you see that painting you hear that song on the radio or in the convenience store like what is this you know like or you browse a youtube video like to pull you out of that situation yeah. uh that's the whole point of of art like it's just and it helps you and other artists get out what's in there it helps everybody but you're yeah. kind of you have to you have to have that um you have to have that hurt and that that damage to turn something that's coming in around in a way yeah. that's tangible. And it's kind of like we've talked about before, 
uh, I've talked about before on this show is, is being grateful for the demons, your demons, because you are where you are because of them. Learning to accept them and, and appreciate them in a way is such a fucked up thing. But without them, if you're happy where you're at, you wouldn't have been there without oh, yeah. them or created the things you created. So it's this weird thing, just like you're talking, like flipping the script and and doing the finding others issues first and then being able to to come inward instead of coming inward and out. I'm rambling, but <laughs> everything seems backwards and it, it but it works. So well, I I love that you use that um dirty mirror, like the broken mirror metaphor, because the that when you said that, I was like, oh my God, that used to be always when we were talking about like identity mm -hmm. and like seeing yourself that was always how i would describe it in therapy i'm like i cannot see myself i can it is like looking into a dirty mirror mm -hmm. and i cannot and i just didn't know any other way to describe it i was like i just cannot see myself and actually like the process of putting this album i feel like this is the first time i can actually see myself and it's like like literally physically like the album cover like me making this so much about like me and what mm -hmm. i want and the things that i like it's like really an expression of somebody like getting to the point where they can they can finally like see themselves and i hope like it's that is like something that people are picking up on it too that it like it is possible to like create art that allows you to see yourself and like really come into harmony with yourself stop being at war with yourself you know mm -hmm. yeah like that is, that is a thing you can do you could do it <laughs> it's ferocious and beautiful at the same time and that's what is so cool is it's like ferocity is not necessarily known to go coincide with beautiful things yeah. But if you think about the ocean, right, you think about the wind, you think about anything in a natural setting is so powerful and ferocious and no, does not give a shit about you. It will swallow you up. It will fuck you up. It will take you over. It will yeah. <laughs> destroy you. But there's it's also beautiful, like the, yeah. it, the magnet, the magnificence of it all, the magnitude of it all. And that's when I see, like, see the cover. I hear the music. Like, it's just for beautiful ferocity. Like, it's just, it's kicking your ass, but you're loving <laughs> every second of it because it's beautiful. Like, it's there's yeah. there's so many layers, and uh, I could go on about it forever. But like, it's just it's just really an um, amazing uh, output. And knowing Thank the you. story now behind it really i'm gonna have to listen to it again after this because <laughs> you know like with different lenses right like knowing yeah. that stuff because i purposely didn't want to look that far into it. i just wanted to feel it and then talk yeah. to you because that's you amazing, know yeah. um that's where i mean where better to get the meaning from something than from the person that created it you know it just seems simple <laughs> you know yeah you know like when it, what was coming up for me when you're talking about that was um <laughs> one of the songs on the album seven winds of sekhmet mm -hmm. um this goddess sekhmet she was the ancient egyptian goddess of um healing and war mm -hmm. and um she was like a big inspiration for this album and really embodies that like 
sense of like simultaneous, like beauty and ferocity. And to me, it was like so important because thinking about like human history, we used to worship women like that. We used to worship this idea of something that was like these opposites, like healing and war, you know, Mm -hmm. like love and warfare. Like this idea of like this beautiful, awesome goddess that is also just going to fucking destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. Humans worshiped that because we needed that. Mm -hmm. And like, this is like simultaneously, it's like not just that, but just also in general, like the, the way we treat women, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. way we are now regulating women's bodies or have been for millennia, really, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to control that. It's just like, that is not just bad for women. That is bad for all humanity. Like the fact that we cannot appreciate, you know, these diametrically opposed things, you know, and that we like denigrate the stuff that we associate with femininity. It's like, it's killing us. It's destroying us as a people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I went on that whole tangent, but it just like reminded me of we, that. Like we were talking about you know, the ferocity and beauty and ferocity yeah. at the same time. And that's an, that's very very true. Uh, looking back through mythology and everything, like there's a feminine, strong femininity with a rage behind it. Like that's what the fear in it's like. It, you have these in, these images since the beginning of time of of gods and something greater than us, a higher power of some kind. There's always the view of something different, something after this. Like this couldn't be it. Yeah, which I don't believe, but I, I I believe this is it. But like, they're always wanted more or something later or something to live or an afterlife. But there had to be a fear behind it, so that's where that rage comes in. That there is a consequence to that. You piss this person off. Yeah, you're gonna go to hell or you're gonna do this. You know, like, and that's where that rage came in. You know, and uh, the the ferociousness and and um, I think you're spot on there. That that is the way things were looked at then, and it has changed quite a bit. And uh, the world is a different place. Like we're talking about like it's falling <laughs> apart in ways. Like it's just a, it's chaos. And um, yeah. But it, regardless of that, putting out great art like that with that those values and that that um that sentiment behind it is is what the world needs. You know that rage. But it's like a beautiful rage. Like, it's just like, like, yeah, that's the only way I can really describe it as a listener, you know. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. Being a musician, I know how to get those kind of tones and things like that. But, but what you do with those tones is what's special. Like, you know, I know I, I could pick out like a lot of amps and guitars and like, okay, this pedal, this amp combination how to kind of achieve the tones. But like I said, what you do with those tones, not a lot of people can do. And that's what makes it an artist. Like uh, everyone can grab a paintbrush and a certain kind of paper. It's what (laughs) they put on it that makes them special. And that's what you're doing. And uh, the fact that you're showcasing rad gear while doing it and and (laughs) having integrity and and playing everything live and and doing the difficult uh, road less traveled is huge. Um, And it just speaks to your character and you know you and i have known each other for an hour and 15 minutes yeah. so <laughs> we go way back anyways uh <laughs> i just uh i appreciate what you're doing very much and um 
and being able to talk to you about it too. I appreciate that. And, um, going down that road with me because that's where things really get um real and valuable i think is talking to like i've i've got goosebumps and and like weird uh uh like a weird relief feeling right now of like getting to this point of of what we're talking about like it feels like a little bit of a relief and always it always seems to like it it kind of you feel I feel like I just got out of therapy almost even though I didn't do it. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I just appreciate um, how open you are with everything. I think it's really going to help people and and um, maybe help someone realize they're in the same situation, you know, and to get help and talk to somebody or or uh, put on the record and and work their work through it themselves, whatever you want to yeah. do. Absolutely. Like my just main message is do not give up. There are so many times I wanted to give up right before I went into trauma therapy. I was like, this is it. Unless somebody in this program gives me a reason to live. I'm fucking out. Like I I was done. And fortunately they did. (laughs) I was like, no one can answer the meaning of life. And they did it like for me on like the second day. And Mm -hmm. I was like, what the fuck? How have I been messing up this all? So it's like my message to people is just like, do not give up. The answer is out there. The therapy that is therapy or probably plural therapies that are going to work for you. They are out there and you can find them. Do not give up. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a beautiful message. And grab a guitar, grab, grab something different than you've ever done before and give it a shot. Yes. I have so many things that I've come across that work for me. I would like lifting weights, weightlifting. Mm -hmm. When, when, (laughs) would I ever, I was never like athletic in my life. Like when would I have ever done that? And like, it has opened up a, a whole world for me. It's like, just go try anything once. If it doesn't work, what's the first worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. Just keep, keep trying shit. Cause you're going to find something that works. Yeah. There's a reason there's that Henry Rollins quote in all the gyms across the world of, uh, friends come and go, but 200 pounds is still 200 pounds. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't cheat that either. You can lift yep. it or you can't. And if you can't, you can get there, but you can't cheat your way there. It's a hundred percent honest. It grounds you and yeah. it tires your body out. It makes your body yeah. too tired to, to make things up or, or, uh, stew on things. Like it's just therapeutic. I mean, it's, it's, we've been doing it since the beginning of time, running from things, running at things, uh, physicality is a, is yeah. a huge part of that. So, and it, it also helps me from getting injured on tour when I'm, <laughs> moving, <all> this, <laughs> I'm moving to rigs, basically. Big ass gear. Yeah. Oh my God. But I'm actually doing really well. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. My training regimen is working. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's fantastic. Well, I, (laughs) I appreciate the time so much. This has been really awesome. I've been looking forward to this this. for the last week and a half since we set it up. Yeah. Uh, Just waiting for it. So I I appreciate the time. I appreciate the music um, and the openness. I I really do. And like time's the one thing we got some of us. um, And, uh, spending it here. I appreciate you doing that. So yes, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll do this again sometime. This is really great. Um, yeah, I did not look at the tour dates if you're coming to Portland or not, but I don't think you are. Oh no, we are June 3rd. I think June 3rd high watermark. Um, right by my house. Still, still form and dry wedding. I'm going to be there. Awesome show. I will be there. 
Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. We're that's doing, right down from my house. We're we're doing East Coast the next two weeks, and then we're doing West Coast um, starting Memorial Day weekend in through June, going down through Texas in later June. So let, yeah, let me plug this tour. Please look up our tour Absolutely. dates. We have, we have like 34 tour dates. It's insane. I don't know, even know how this happened. So please come see us. We <laughs> we want to meet you. We want to sell you shit. <laughs> <laughs> Buy merch, help lift some gear. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your evening and, and uh, I'll see you in June. All right. Sounds awesome. All Thank right. you so much. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Donna Diane from Juna. Their new record is out now. Go check it out on Spotify. Um, check it out wherever you listen to music. And I just really appreciate you guys believing in this show and what we do here. And, and it's been a labor of love for a long time. We'll continue to do it. Um, but it could not do it without you guys. So thank you so much. I hope you guys learned something from this because I definitely did. When we go to these chats that go to these dark places, I learn a lot about humanity. I learn a lot about therapy, a lot about uh, healing a lot about everything. It's just, it's when you really touch on things that people are uncomfortable talking about, I think is where you get the most growth. Um, some people call me a moron, uh, or a kook, any <laughs> of that stuff. And, uh, it just makes me laugh because, you know, uh, you don't have to listen to this show. You don't have to keep listening to this show. Uh, podcasts are, as Jay Moore says, appointment listening. If you didn't want to listen to it, you wouldn't have clicked on it. Um, you know, and that's, uh, that's everyone's opinion. And I, I laugh when I see those because, uh, maybe I am, maybe I'm a moron. Maybe I am a kook. Maybe I'm, uh, too much of a, uh, what would you call it? Um, I don't even know. I, I go on tangents and I go, <clears throat> I put this stuff out there every week. I put it out every single week. I speak from the heart. I'm not reading this from a script. I put this out, I press record and I just go and I, I have, I back everything that I've said. Like, and if I learn something different, I'll absolutely say that. Um, but you know, it, it, uh, it's not easy doing this stuff. So, um, I appreciate those of you that, that appreciate it. And I also appreciate the ones of you that don't because, uh, it lets me know I'm doing the right thing. So anyways, much love to all of you. I really appreciate the time you've spent with me and, and uh, continue to spend with me, all the bands and musicians uh, that, that listen to this show and, and show support. It really means a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're going to do honest stuff, people are going to give you honest feedback and, and I can just accept that and move on. So um, anyways, not to make this about that. This is just recent events that, uh, that always get this going in my mind. Uh, but uh, Juna has a new record out. Go check it out. It's on Spotify. It's incredible. It's crushing. It's beautiful. Uh, everything I like in music. And I really, really appreciate the candid conversation uh, that Donna and I had. So uh, I'll definitely be seeing them in Portland in June. Go catch them in the East Coast leg of their tour here starting this week. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio.
Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.